jiu-jitsu is not a gigantic money-making endeavor, typically. And for them to take out the time to take a risk on some relative unknowns or something like that and invest in their own marketing, perhaps, too, you know, which I think is incredibly wise of them in retrospect. And you see why, why they are so successful, because they take those risks constantly. They fail constantly. You know, I'm sure there's a ton of these podcasts that, that come and go and, you know, ours won't be around forever either. But for them to do that and, and push ahead and take that risk is very smart and super cool, too, right? <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Elvis Type Podcast. Joe's Travis. Today, I have a very good friend, very influential person in my podcasting and jujitsu career, uh, Adolfo Frondo from the Forever White Belt Podcast. How you doing today, Adolfo? Hey, good, Travis. Thanks so much for having me on again. This is great, dude. No, thank you. I uh, we we talk. I mean, shoot, we talk probably about a couple times a week. It seems like, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, I'm always like, man, I got to get Adolfo back on because you and I had each other on our yeah. podcast very early. Like, yeah, I don't even. I was just thinking about it, and I was like, man. Uh, Adolfo had had me on, and I think our podcast was maybe it was like probably about two years old, but we were like small, like analytically, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, I look back at it now, I'm like, I'm like, man, I am so blessed that Adolfo did that, man. So, and then I'm just so happy you kept going too, and that I kept going, you know, and like, dude, we have all this like interesting stuff to talk about all the time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's what a crazy ride it's been. I feel like both of us have had like exponential growth lately, and it's it's so. It's so cool seeing, I'm like, like, I feel like we're like the underdogs in the industry because everyone else is like these big names that have their own podcast. And then it's like, and it's like a bunch of like random dads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seems like it. But there has been such an explosion of interest, you know, within the whole jujitsu realm and podcast and video, you know, YouTube and everything that it's, it's uh, been so interesting. And then seeing your progression from when we spoke black what was that a year or two years ago i don't know uh, yeah and it was then, a long time uh, ago what you know jujitsu wise what you were doing your show itself i know you had a co-host at the time john who was really great and how you had to evolve that i mean that seeing all that has you know i'd really like to talk about that stuff too and find out what you know where you're at now and just that road also there. yeah yeah absolutely i know and like uh i feel like dude you've like just like your guests also the the big thing that with me that i I talk about uh, behind the scenes and is like, as like an interviewer, I have like a list of people that I find are very inspiring for me to, to listen to because they ask great questions and you're one of them. You know, okay. it's like uh, Sean Evans, the hot ones, right? Obviously. Cause he's, yeah. he's great. Uh, yes. Nardwar on YouTube. Loves Nardwar. God, I love right. Nardwar. So you, um, uh, Abe from main idea, Abe Maynard, he's, he's another one that asks fantastic questions. Uh, and so I have like these group of people, these core people that I listen to because I'm like a student of the game. I'm always trying to think of like what are better ways to mm -hmm. ask questions and how are other people asking questions? Because it gets no one wants to hear the same boring, right, simple questions over and over again. Right. Who do you look who do you look up to as like an interviewer to oh, like kind of emulate their style or try to uh, perfect your craft like that? Well, like inspiration wise, definitely like someone like, uh, you know, Rogan for his just the way he can interpersonally, uh, uh, you know, get along with people just naturally. Uh, and then someone like maybe Alex Friedman for that sort of, you know, long form sort of dry discussion type of stuff. And uh, a big fan of the Kwan brothers, Steve Kwan and Matt Kwan. They're just fantastic at, at what they do. Um, Stefan Kesting from, you know, is, mm -hmm. is really fantastic also. 
uh, gosh, there's so many, you know, um, Simon Sinek. I really, I really like his, you know, podcast a lot. He's very passionate, you know, in his approach and, uh, it feels very spontaneous and natural. Um, and then just like it, all these different interpersonal styles too, of like, we're going to have a conversation with each other or someone, as you mentioned, is going to ask a question and just kind of sit back and sort of listen, you know, and then the guest is the sort of product, you know, type of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think those guys have uh, on top of mind when I think about podcasts that I'm listening to often. Conan O'Brien for his humor. You know, mm-hmm. I, I love that. And his quick, you know, mind. Um, it's a top of mind, I'd say, those guys. Yeah. Do you, do you typically look for people more in our industry or outside of, like, our niche? Uh, for, you know, it's funny because I do listen to quite a few jiu-jitsu podcasts. Um, but I also listen to other stuff too. I think subconsciously I just enjoy this other stuff and I think it informs the discussion as well, or perhaps the style, uh, of how it comes through before you sort of find your own voice. Um, but I think it's more of an unconscious thing for me. I'm not, I'm not consciously going out there to, you know, to look and stuff. I'm just more like in awe usually when I listen to someone's, you know, podcast and it, it comes up where I'm like, God, God, they're so good at that. They're so good at conversation <laughs> or they're so good at humor though. You know, the, the, whatever they're editing or, you yeah. know, the, the product and stuff or marketing, you know, even too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I listen, I don't listen to Tim Ferriss, um, mm. but I listened to an interview with a YouTube duo called Colin and Samir on YouTube. Mm. And, uh, they came, he came on their show and him just as a guest and then dropping like these knowledge bombs to Colin and Samir about how he does everything. Mm. Dude, I was like blown away. By like his intelligence on just interviewing or being the interviewer and interviewee, like I was like, man, and it kind of every now and then I, I hear someone or hear like an interview or a question that kind of like reignites like my my desire to kind of like I always want to improve. Don't get me <laughs> wrong, but then yeah. you hear something and you're like, man, that that's just that that's just kicking it like putting fire under it like i now i need to go even like meet, read more books or listen to different kinds of interviews do you ever have <laughs> yeah. those moments where you hear something where you're like i need to find my nicheest question like that yeah i think what like what you were referring to earlier in terms of like uh when you feel like you're asking the same stuff over and over and you don't want the show to get stale at least that's how i feel sometimes i'm like oh god here we go it's me asking the same thing again but but then again there's another voice you know there's always the other side of me saying to someone is uh someone's dropping into this podcast for the first time or they don't listen to this podcast all the time you know so for them it's not like this rote thing all the time in fact i just reached out to a guest and um and he's like you know i just did two podcasts and I just don't think I should, you know, do it again. I just feel overexposed or whatever. And not the biggest name in the world. And I was just thinking, wow, that's, it's sort of limiting, you know, and I'm, I don't know if I'm answering your question or not. I'm going off the rails here, but too bad. I want to get this point across. Was, uh, <laughs> he, you know, he was, and I'm like uh, thinking, you know, it, it, it's just different audiences sometimes. And, and not everyone's listening to those other podcasts or perhaps they're not even aware of it. Perhaps they haven't heard it his particular voice enough or that kind of thing. So it's opportunity lost. I don't know. So anyways, I want, I just want to get that off my chest. No, you're good. No, <laughs> I, 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 the I agree. recent wound. I, I agree. And I also feel like, cause, um, as a podcaster, sometimes I will see a guest going around the reins of like the podcast circle within our niche. Mm, yeah. And then I'll get reached out by them. And sometimes I'm like, 
I don't really want to have this person on because I feel like they've done so many interviews in such a short period of time. Mm, yeah. I feel like, um, what am so, I going to ask that's different? Right, right. Right. And then I'm like, I kind of, then I kind of take it as a challenge. I'll listen to like one or two of their other interviews. I'm like, okay, what didn't they get asked? Mm, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, that's a I'm great like point. okay, so I'm going to try to uh, make this interview the best one out of all of them. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I think it's great. I do the same thing. I, you know, you use those past uh, interviews to inform like your interview and perhaps, you know, either take it a pre-existing conversation conversation that they've had to maybe a further point, you know, to a further, you know, so you can get a little more color on it too. Um, as opposed to just rehashing the same thing. Yeah. I, I, I fall into the same sort of mental struggles, you know, the conundrum of, you know, should I do this again? This, this person has been on everything or I try to sort of, you know, inter not release it immediately after, you know, that type of thing. But yeah, that's always a, that's a challenge with these really popular individuals or, or someone who really hustles, you know, there's those people that they just, they, they're so good at hustling and asking and really knocking the door. You know, you'd be surprised. I think you listeners out there are viewers, you know, on, on, um, you know, how, how forthright some people can be. I never had that in me, you know? That, that bravery to sort of ask and knock on the door constantly that, you know, like I think gets people really far in life often. Yeah. I, I, that, that leads great to like a kind of like the next thing I want to ask you is I know I've had people reach out to me that want to come on the show and mm. trying to, I'm sure it's the same way with you. I try to ensure that the listener is the one that's going to get the most value out of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you, people do reach out that I'm not saying they don't provide no value right. to a listener, but I try to find, I try to think of how my listener will get value from mm. this person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause I'm like, I don't want to have just anyone on that asks to come on because I want to ensure that I'm providing value to people. That's the first and foremost, you listeners at home. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure Adolfo is the same way. It's like, mm -hmm. We're very selective on who we ask on the show because we want to ensure that it's it's quality for you. You know, mm. it's not just like some mundane, boring, no, no, no idea what's going on in the yeah. industry or anything like that. Yeah. How, how do you, if you have, how have you like uh, steered through guests asking you to come on and then you seeing potential guests that might have not have been a good fit in the long haul? Yeah, um, I often try to vet, you know, people in my own way, whether it's like, hey, can you send me a link to some, you know, previous podcast they've done or perhaps a, 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 a academy speech they've done so I can see how, you know, they, they sort of speak. And, you know, it's challenging. Sometimes you want to get um, a big name competitor. Perhaps they're like super young and they don't have a lot of life experience. So they don't have a lot to offer besides a bunch of wins and, and medals and things like that. Um, which isn't, which is sort of something to offer because they have some, uh, you know, competitive uh, experience and, and perhaps you can extract some value out of that. But it's really challenging when, you know, I just find people that are a little more seasoned, if you will, uh, have, uh, you know, they're a little more articulate or they have more stories or, or they understand how to, you know, uh, put a point across on like I'm doing right now. And um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's, that's sort of the way to go. But, you know, I do find sometimes the best, some of my best shows personally that I like are a lot of unknown professors or something like that, you know, just completely unknown people. And they're just like, someone is like, Hey, my, this Academy owner or whatever, or instructor is fantastic that they recommend. Or I go to a particular camp. Usually it's 
BJJ Globetrotters that I always talk about, you know, because they just have so many that I'll just, you know, vet through some of those people or meet those people. Um, so, yeah, it's it's something like that with at least some sort of something that I can sort of uh, research, you know, and then and then glean for the for the audience. As you as you mentioned, you know, we really want to provide value for the listener viewer out there. What what interview have you had uh, in your podcasting career that you were surprised did as good as it did? Um, geez, you know, um, I think one of them is a guy that I really like. He's actually a young guy who's fantastic. Is this uh, individual named Yoshi was his mm, name, yeah. and he does uh, the move of the day. Yeah, and he's just super charismatic and super fun. And I believe he's a judo black belt and um, jujitsu black belt now, I believe. Yep, and under health, Gracie. Yeah, under health. And um, and forgive, forgive me for, for not remembering Yoshi's last name right now. I'll, I'll put it somewhere in the in the post or maybe Travis will. <laughs> More work for you. And uh, yeah, so so that was one, you know, I'm like, you know, this guy's not really well known yet, but, uh, you know, he's just a lot of fun to talk to and he seems like a fun individual. And uh yeah, and people just really resonated with with uh, his message and his energy. Yeah, I recently had uh, Kabir Bath on mm-hmm. my show, and that one I kind of knew because the topic is a hot thing right now, the ecological dynamics yeah. in jiu-jitsu, right? So that's a hot topic right now. Yeah. Uh, and But the one that I just, like my most recent guest, uh, uh, Ben Brandon, who won... Uh, blue belt worlds master blue belt worlds Mm. and he lives down here in tacoma dude that episode i was i'm like blown away how good it did like it was a phenomenal conversation the whole time but he's he's like no one in the jujitsu community you know Mm. he's just Mm -hmm. a a guy that lives in my area that won master's world after compete after doing jujitsu for three years right and like i guess sometimes sometimes like uh i don't even realize it but certain people just can connect with more listeners. And then also their small following, whatever they have also are like very dedicated to them. You know what I mean? And so they'll, they'll like when we both had Malachi on very, very early on also. And dude, he was like a phenomenal guest. And then everyone that loves Malachi just came over and listened to the episode too. And I was like, Oh, this is great. Like this guy really (laughs) has like some diehard, like following, you know what I mean? Yeah. Another one that I had that just comes to, that you trigger in my mind is an individual named Sean Applegate. He's um, a black belt, 10th planet black belt under uh, Brandon McCaffrey and Eddie Bravo mm-hmm. uh, out of Atlanta, I believe. And, um, you know, he's very sort of like uh, Danaher sort of approach in that he's not a lot of fluctuation in his energy. And, uh, you know, it's kind of almost rote the way he speaks. You know, <laughs> he, right. he would. He would talk. In fact, there was a point in the show where he talks to me like this, and he's like, "Dude, see, this is me on ten. This is me excited right now." And you can't even tell. There's like no blood pulse there no whatsoever. <laughs> but he is brilliant, you know. And a lot of the old school guys and people in the know, deep, you know, deep into jujitsu, know what a mastermind he is uh, for jujitsu. But I don't think, as a whole, like his name had been brought up a lot, and people he wasn't really in the zeitgeist. But man, after that that show and some of his clips came out, um, it really exploded. You know, it was like, uh, and, and then I know a bunch of his stuff was selling on Fanatics indirectly I'm, because of the show. You know, I'm not going to take full credit, but uh, you know, uh, but 
you know, it was, that was, that was really surprising for me. You know, I was like, okay, this is going to be an okay show. But as we were getting into it, I'm like, oh, this is good. We're having really great discussion here. This is, you know, this is going to provide a ton of value. I'm thinking, you know, for myself selfishly, you know, (laughs) but do you find that too? That, That sometimes you're going through your show and you're like, wow, this is interesting. I'm learning stuff for me personally, you know, versus, you know what I mean? I'm taking a lot of value out of this. This conversation oh, yeah. with this individual. Yeah, absolutely. I I think my second interview with Thomas Rosinski was probably mm. one where I was like, that interview honestly was more along the lines. Like sometimes we do interviews that are like mm. selfish. Yeah, you know totally. I, mean? like, <laughs> I want to talk to this person because I kind of want to get like knowledge. Same yeah. thing with Kabir. Like I, I was like heavy into the beginning of like learning about ecological. Right. And so it was more along the lines of like, I had questions about myself that I was like, I need to ask someone that's more knowledgeable. Hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's sometimes I was like, afterwards, I'm like, man, that was a, that was a great conversation. Like I had so much freaking fun talking to these, my, one of my friends actually on in, uh, my buddy Jordan, he's like episode 11, 12. Yeah. Of our podcast. And, uh, Jordan, Pressinger. during it, right. huh? Jordan Pressinger. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Jordan, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce the name. He's actually one of my local friends. Gotcha. Um, okay. But during the interview, it was just a black. He was like our longest, for the longest time, he was our most downloaded interview up until like we started getting like bigger name guests. Right, right. But during it, it was just like such a fun, entertaining conversation between friends. And uh, it, that was another big, big eye opener. too. I was like, man, sometimes the chemistry is really what just sets an interview yeah, apart. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. It's like if there's good chemistry there, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. Like it's it's just a blast to have a, a conversation with the person. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's I had one of those with a, a coach. He's Danaher. One of Dan, he is Danaher's first black belt. He's a, a guy named Mike Gemarillo out of New York. And I just I love the guy. You know, what I mean, we just clicked immediately. And like we text each other still, you know, he's yeah. just a fantastic human being, a genius, you know, in terms of jujitsu. He was a monster back in the day. Just a fantastic instructor. Yeah, that's always amazing when that kind of thing happens. You know? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, I've talked to some people in through the podcast that uh, I looked up to outside of jujitsu before I ever even started jujitsu. But now mm-hmm. we have the common ground of jujitsu mm-hmm. where I'm like, dude, I get to talk to this person. Like, <laughs> I've, I've, I've loved them for like 10 years. You know, yeah. I love that. Like, it sounds kind of weird. I've followed <laughs> yeah. them around. Travis is in love with this. You have multiple people all the time. The reason the cameras face this way is because I don't want their shrine to be like <laughs> seated. Yes. <laughs> Has that surprised you? The friendships that you've like kind of like grown from being a podcaster or the people that you've keep in contact with afterwards? Yeah. I'm more surprised that these people will even give me the time of day after the show. You know what I mean? Bro, that they're, amen. That they're just like, um, you know, it's always cool to meet like a, just a good human being. You know what I mean? It's like such a diamond in the rough thing when it happens like over and over. Cause you're lucky if it happens in a quarter, you know, within yeah. a year or something like that, you know, let alone like, you know, in a whatever weekly basis or something like that, if you're lucky enough to do this and, and uh, interact with these people. But yeah, I, I think the, the good human aspect of it always blows me away. You know, um, there's that old saying sometimes like, don't meet your heroes. And, um, I've been, I think we both have been blessed enough to like meet a lot of our heroes or stumble upon heroes. And, and you're like, wow, this is, they're, they're amazing human beings. And I'm super lucky to be sharing this moment with them right now. Yeah. 100%. It's, it's such a blessing, uh, to be able to share, you know, an hour with some of these people or especially because a lot of them that we talk to are so busy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 
when I first started asking people to come on the show, dude, I was so scared. Like you've been doing interviews basically, or you have been doing interviews since day one, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I I don't know how you have like overcome it, but dude, when I first started, it was so hard to ask people to to come on the show because I felt like we were just so small. Like no one's gonna want to come talk to someone that has fifty monthly listeners. (laughs) But it was quite the opposite of that. Yeah, it is so cool, and that's that's why, like you mentioned uh, before, uh, Maliki Friedman or. Or for me, like Carl, the Silver Fox Prevec or someone mm-hmm. like that, who will just take, the, like you said, take the time out of their insane schedules. I mean, insane schedules. These people are workaholics burning the candle at both ends. You know, jujitsu is not a gigantic money making endeavor, um, mm-hmm. typically. And for them to take out the time to take a risk on some relative unknowns or something like that um, and invest in their own marketing, perhaps, too, you know, which I think is incredibly wise of them in retrospect um and you see why successful you know why they are so successful because they take those risks constantly they fail constantly you know i'm sure there's a ton of these podcasts that that come and go and you know ours won't be around forever either but um for them to do that and and push ahead and take that risk is it's uh it's very smart and super cool too right what's one interview that you did that you kind of wish you could you don't enjoy uh the most like which one of them did you do where you're like at the end of it you're like i could have done that so much better oh my god oh um brailer grout we and and i think uh and brailer is a gigantic uh heavyweight i believe out of legion you know under keenan cornelius Mm -hmm. and um fantastic dude you know really great talk super nice human really funny guy but man, this one was specifically, you know, tech related. So we ran into every Wi-Fi issue you possibly could. Oh. We we stopped like every, oh my God, it was like 10 minutes or something like that. He was jumping to different rooms, you know, and we were having some pretty good conversation too. But just the, the constant interruptions and stuff of us having these technical issues, uh, especially Brailler with his Wi-Fi, even <laughs> though he works in tech as a, I think, a data analyst and you know, all this stuff, too. I, I couldn't. Brailler, if you're out there, come on, man. We we got to get this together, man. We got to do a part two to fix this. No. But just the, you know, gymnastics you have to do in editing as well for something like that. Uh, you know, it just it takes so much time, man. You know. But, yeah, there's that. And then there's the other individuals who do the, as I'm sure I've done within this episode, the likes, the ums, the, you know, you knows. Yeah. <laughs> that type of thing. Um and unless you got some AI or something to rip it out, which I don't, because I'm not getting making any or a lot of money on this at all, um, you got to manually rip those things out. If you do that kind of thing, you know, I that's my thing. Is like some shows are heavily edited, such as mine, and others just free form conversation. How do you feel about that stuff? I I feel I do a little bit of in between. I feel I do edit the podcast. Um, like that, but <laughs> to the point where I'll take out long, awkward pauses, or if I feel that the guest, if there was a question that I asked that after and post, I'm like, that really didn't fit the conversation. I'll remove that question. Or if same thing, if there's lots of technical issues, which any remote podcast is going to run into syncing issues, dropped Wi-Fi, uh, camera overheating or whatever it is, camera. Mm-hmm laptops dying you know things Mm -hmm. like that um 
I'll I'll have to edit that. But I try to. We talked about this before press and record. I don't have a whole lot of time to dedicate to editing the podcast. Yeah, and so I I really just try to. Uh, I put it in the timeline. If I have mental notes of where our stuff happened that I was like, I got to remove that. I'll remove that. And then it's kind of just multi-camming it, you know, ABC, ABC, however I want to cut it up. Yeah. But I would prefer to have a little bit more editing in with like B-roll or graphs or mm-hmm, something yeah. that captures like a visual. Because I, yeah. I we're video podcasts. Well, especially you, you're a video podcast now too. Yeah. So there's things that I'm like, if I had more time, I would put more effort into like the visual Ooh, side. Of that it. eats up so much time too, man. You know, it's funny because I was just talking to to Matt Quan about this again too, and he's one of those guys like I'm. Not, I'm not going to edit anything. It's all in there, you know. It's all. And uh, I think Scaff was like that too. Matt Scaff or like whatever, mm-hmm. but his is usually him alone uh, speaking. What's that like been for you? I'm curious about your solo episodes. You know, when it's just no guest, you know, and and you're out there. Um, I'm sure you're putting together some sort of outline. I know you probably have some sort of topic that you're talking about, you know, a few of these things and, you know, it's been pretty engaging. It's, it's cool to hear, um, people's personal journeys. You know, that's a lot to put out there. Yeah. I, so John and I started off with just John and I BSing with each other and then bringing a friend in every once in a while to capture their journey. But I think it's easy for me to have solo conversations because the, whole premise of the show was to document our journey and Mm -hmm. to capture the trials and tribulations that you go through in your journey. Mm -hmm. Right. So to be able to share that with people has been kind of easy because it's just something that I've been doing since the beginning. And it was the reason we started the show because there's not a lot of people out there that are doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially at a low level jujitsu like I do. (laughs) 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 So it's like that. Sometimes it is awkward if I'm not fully prepared for the topic or if I'm not fully prepared for what I want to talk about. I feel mm-hmm. like I ramble quite a bit in some episodes. and But after like surveying my, my audience, a lot of people prefer solo episodes, yeah. to tell you the truth, yeah, which, is, which is crazy. that It's kind of humbling, too, that people want to hear just me right. for 30, 45 minutes. Right. You know what I mean? And to your point, yeah, I do, I do an outline. I'll do... Uh, I use AI to help out with that. So I'll have a topic, I'll have points that I want to hit, and I'll use like Chat GPT, sure. Google Bard, yeah. uh, whatever to kind of like help me gather my thoughts. And then I'll edit that how it fits me and my audience better. Hmm. And then I'll kind of have an outline and I'll go through it and talk about it for 30, 45 minutes. And I love it because. I mean, like you said, I'm not going to be doing this forever, so I might not even be doing jujitsu forever. So it's going to be cool to hear myself in, you know, 10 years from now, listening to sure. episode two of Elbows Type Podcast, where I talk about getting neon belly and almost dying. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> How come you don't do solo episodes? You know, I've been, I've been playing with the idea. I just, you know, I'm just, uh, I don't, I don't want to be the product as personally. I like being the voyeur. So I like, you know, watching someone like yourself or something. And what I do love about what you're doing too, is it's much more relatable, you know, for, for the majority, I think of jujitsu practitioners out there than as I was mentioning earlier, perhaps a younger gold medalist, you know, high level competitor who that's all they do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Is, is just train super hard and win tournaments all the time or, and that's their life. Um, I, I find it much more interesting to listen to someone like yourself who has, 
you know, a family or perhaps is you know, coming upon that stage in their lives of where they're, you know, entering that family stage and how your life's transitioning, the challenges of both personal and jujitsu and how they integrate and what you're getting out of it, et cetera. For me, that, that speaks much more to me. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I still like, uh, I don't know. I, I'm still like the interviewer. I feel like, you know, I think that's where I'm, where my strong suit is at this point. Per perhaps I'll, I'll dabble in that a bit more. You know, I did, I did one episode in the past where I felt I really needed to get it off my chest was one of yeah, uh, the financing with yeah, the or jujitsu during a recessionary time, you know? And, um, yeah, so, so I, it's, there was that, uh, you know, I think something speaks to me really hard. Perhaps I, I, you know, walk upon that sort of that path, but, but we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I messaged you. I like Instagram DM you right when that episode released. I was like, Adolfo, is this a solo episode? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. You mentioned though, not to like leak our DMs, but you mentioned that you were nervous about releasing that. Why? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, just, I didn't want it to come off as you know, too negative or anything like that. Number one, you know, I don't want to influence anyone in, in a negative type of way i, I just it, it for me it was more like um really important for academy owners as uh something that i felt was really important to consider you know uh of like how things are going and we're seeing how sort of the world is is going now and i don't want to get political or financial or anything like that but even though i did in that particular episode but i've never really had to put myself well or i don't put myself out there a whole lot uh with my personal perspectives or my stated opinions, I might indirectly do it the way I edit a particular show or something like that, or with certain clips I'll pick out. Then you can kind of read between the lines and see what I'm thinking. Um, if anyone cares, but, um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, when it comes to jujitsu, I just don't like being an absolutist about anything really. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's one thing is I don't want anyone thinking that, Oh, this is, this is this guy. And he thinks this particular way. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. One thing that, uh, I look up to you for, and I always talk about <clears throat> that is probably my biggest fault when it comes to, um, being a podcaster interviewer, you know, jujitsu practitioner is I'm not a student of the game. You know what I mean? Like mm. I don't, I don't necessarily listen to a lot of jujitsu podcasts. Mm. I don't watch a lot of jujitsu content really anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I've, I've, I've only bought one instructional my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Jordan Pressinger's half guard. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one, man. Yes. It, it was really good. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, and so one thing I look up to you is like, you're such a student of the game to me. Like you are mm. so good with knowing people's histories uh like 10 years ago i mean i'm talking like you you talk when it comes to like 10th planet guys mm. you're going so deep in the weeds of their like history i'm like mm. how are you doing this where <laughs> do you get this information do you have a team that helps like the hot ones like sean evans <laughs> that, that researches for you like where do you find this information how do you come up with like such great uh in-depth topics <laughs> with these guests yeah um i tend to go really hard um on research um, you, you know, we, we, you brought up Nardwar, who is yeah. a, a music interviewer of, you know, through several years now, I, I suggest you people go to YouTube and, and Google Nardwar and his interviews. They're fantastic. And, uh, one of the things that he's known for is like surprising a lot of his guests with really deep research and, and gifts like these very specific gifts and things like that. And, um, he was a huge inspiration to me. And in terms yeah. of that and how important for me personally, um, research and and knowledge um can 
can provide for the show, especially with the guest, it, it sort of triggers them to uh, share something unique oftentimes or, or leads to interest, interesting discussions. And um, they get sort of electrified sometimes by, hey, this, this person has went sort of above and beyond or, or something like that. So oftentimes I mainly do it for the guest because um, it opens, you know, certain doors that may or may not have typically have not been been opened. But yeah, uh, when it comes to jujitsu, I'm yeah, I'm pretty, I'm a sicko about it. I pretty much, uh, you know, I'm a, I go, I go deep in, in a lot of it. I think much to your sort of um, perspective, also though, is that I'm not crazy about watching competition yeah, uh, footage all the time because that does get kind of tiring. I mean, you know, people are like, oh, no, I, I can't ever imagine it going really mainstream. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's just my limiting viewpoint, but it just seems like such a personal endeavor. And, and there's, I mean, there are moments of excitement and, and highlights and stuff that are really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just not of that camp quite yet. Uh, but anyways, going back to the question. Yeah. Uh, I think a uh, deep research for myself, uh, you know, whether it's like Googling hardcore, finding their LinkedIn, I mean, I go crazy sometimes into like seeing their personal Facebook pages <laughs> and seeing like what high schools they went to and just, you know, where they're from, you know, and, and, and where they've moved. I mean, I get kind of crazy sometimes about certain guests. Yeah. Ready to spice up your Thanksgiving? As we dive headfirst into the mountains of mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce, let's talk about the unsung hero of the holiday season, the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0. That's right, it's time to go cold turkey on the old razors and take care of your own turkey leg with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Visit manscaped.com, use code ETP20 for 20% off and free shipping, and enjoy Thanksgiving in the style with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Gobble, gobble, boys. Listen, Manscaped has been the longest sponsor of the podcast for, I don't even know, two years now almost. And it's an incredible partnership. I love everything that Manscaped has sent me. And I am so thankful that they've been uh, the sponsor of the podcast through another holiday season for you guys. Honestly, the Lawnmower 5.0 is a true game changer. They keep refining the design to help more and more men with the dual color LED spotlights for multiple skin tones. And just everything about this just gets better. Better and better. Honestly, all the products you get from them, you, you can't miss. So the gift of Manscaped doesn't stop there though. The bundle comes with two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers 2.0 Premium, absolutely love them, and the Shed 2.0 Travel Bag. Get 20% off and free shipping with code ETP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code ETP20. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Thank you, Manscaped, for sponsoring this episode. Yeah, I, I love it, man, because I've done it. A, I, I don't do it for every guest because yeah, I try to stay. Lot. Yeah, I try to stay topical with a lot yeah. of guests recently because I once again, I go back to the value thing, like not saying that their journey isn't valuable. Mm -hmm. But if I'm having a guest on, typically it's because I see that they have value in an area for my audience, whether mm -hmm. it's like, uh, you know, jujitsu for older practitioners, mm -hmm. finding instructionals, you know, or just like their how they view certain aspects of jujitsu. That's where I try to like keep guests. But sometimes, you know, it's you can have those topical conversations, but tie it in like to your point with like stages of their life. Yeah. Like, hey, so you were you were living in Alabama in 98 training under blah, blah, blah. How was that different compared? You know what I mean? So yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of, that's kind of like where I go 
because nothing feels better than when a guest says, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. such a pat on the back as, right, as right. an interviewer. Right. Um, and whenever I hear that, I'm like, all right, how can I replicate that for the next, next guest without mimicking the same exact question? You right. know what I mean? How, how right, do you totally. do that? Yeah. I, I think, uh, as you mentioned, but you know, before that we were discussing, I think the, for me, it's the research, you know, it's really hard research. And you bring up a great point there. Like you used to be under, uh, this Academy owner and now you're at this Academy and, and you're at this place. And then often it brings up questions or just topics like why, why that transition happened. And perhaps they want to share something that they haven't shared before. And, uh, that's always a really cool thing too, is when they say that, you know, they say like, you know, okay, um, I've never talked about this before, but yeah, you know, when that happens, that's, that is another one of those really cool moments. And that seems to sort of be triggered from oftentimes that, that, uh, you know, that research that you've done on the individual that, or that particular step or, or moment in their life where they've, they've sort of zigged instead of zagged, you know, and, and often brings that up. But I'm curious too, Travis, um, with you, are you, you're a blue belt, right? Yes, sir. Still a blue belt. Okay. Still a blue belt. Listen to you. And, uh, <laughs> So do you feel like you still have a really good perspective of the day one person, trial person that walks through the door? I don't think I have the same perspective as the day one trial person per se Mm. anymore, Mm. obviously, because it's hard to, I've been a blue belt now, it's going to be four years this month. Mm -hmm. And so I am quite removed from Mm. a white belt. Yeah. Right. Totally. Uh, but I think what I do now is, and I kind of mentioned this to you before, is kind of like a, a a shift in aspect of what I can relate to. And now it's more, like you mentioned earlier, it's not necessarily the day one trial white belt that's getting smashed like I used to, but more along the lines of like who he is outside of, or who they are outside of the mat and how I balance the same things they probably balance, you know, family, job, mm-hmm. uh, training, making the training. How often should I train? Should I feel guilty for doing this? Mm. Uh, you know, all the real life scenarios that I go through now, I think are more along the lines of something that they go through that they probably don't think about because they have that love for jujitsu. But at some point they're gonna be like, oh shit, I only trained once this week. Like, am I going to suck now? Am I losing all my, <laughs> my progress? <laughs> you know? Right. Like, how, how am I going to get that first stripe, you know, and things like that? How should I roll with a higher belt? Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily the same exact relatable uh, point of view that we used I used to have. Yeah. But now it's kind of like a shift, if that answers your question, of right. what I can be relatable to them as. Because to be honest, I'll probably be a purple belt one day. I'll probably be a brown belt. I'll probably be a black belt, right? And that's not to say that I can't provide value to a day one white belt. Sure. Uh, but it's just if I'm honest, I, it has to be in a different way because the same reason why I started this podcast is it was almost all black belts or high level competitors that had, uh, their own shows. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to relate to them about, yeah. you know, what I was going through when I walked through those doors for the first time or my white belt days or how everything was, you know what I mean? So, right. uh, and if I'm honest, I'm not going to be that, I'm not going to be the same person in five years talking about jujitsu that I am five years ago. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I think I was struggling with that notion the other day or the past few weeks is I started thinking about that again, you know, being a, I've done this for eight years now and <clears throat> excuse me. 
and just thinking, am I, you know, have I addressed the, the day one white belt lately? And, and can I, how, how I just, I'm feeling farther apart from it, but I still, I still care so deeply about them in a way. And I still care so deeply about, for me, they're so important, you know, the day one white oh, belt, 100%. <laughs> you know, cause we got to keep this thing going and, and, uh, get people involved. But I'm like, can I, you know, it's, it's becoming more of a struggle. I realized to, to sort of empathize with the, all the things that's going through their head and it's starting to sort of fade. And, and I'm, I'm realizing I'm starting to lose some of that connection. And so I've just been thinking about, I was curious, you know, where you were in that journey too, about that. But, yeah. Cause um, you're a purple belt now, man, like eight yeah. years, a purple belt. How is, how has your journey impacted your interviewing podcast? Uh, it's helped. It's definitely helped inform everything. And, and it typically a lot of the topical stuff, if I, go with anything topical and some of the questions is as we mentioned before it's personal so sometimes i'll be asking about like lately i think what's been really interesting to me lately is um the leg system you know i'm sort of late to that whole thing because i was primary i think we both are primarily gi players or have been and uh getting i'm getting much more into no gi and i'm enjoying it a lot more and i want to just dive into it because i'm one of those i'm late to it guys you know and i'm older now so I want to, <laughs> I'm just trying to dive head on into it. Um, so I, so a lot of the guests that I'm having, a lot of the questions sometimes revolves around that, uh, that typical or that, that type of topical uh, discussion when it's like that. So it's funny how we go through these stages in our, in our game or what a progression in jujitsu, how that informs what we're going to ask or the type of people we have on or something like that. Do you, how about you? Do you, do you feel like you've, uh, asked these personal questions too? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Because I'll I'll look at my journey, and when it comes to like, especially the solo episodes, I'll mm. pick something that has happened recently in my journey, and I'll have I'll try to have like a guest on, and I'll try to do like a solo episode about it, and kind of like cover and like once again, kind of like for selfish reasons to help me feel better about what's going on or to learn about what's going on with this situation in my journey. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I 100%, like I've, I feel like, uh, having, having an idea of exactly what you want to talk about with someone or with yourself is it's, it's going to make you grow. I always talk John Thomas talks about this too, is, uh, conversational jujitsu, right? Having a conversation about jujitsu is extremely underrated in, in people's journeys. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I feel like the more people talk about jujitsu, whether it's like theoretical or situational, like, hey, I was here. Mm -hmm. How could I have gotten out of that or X, Y, and Z? What are things I should think about in this position? I mm -hmm. think it helps everyone. You know, I think it's a I think it's a big tool that you can you can have in your toolbox to uh mentally prepare or think about uh scenarios when you're not actually training. Right. I, you know, it's so interesting that everything's interesting to me. But uh, <laughs> the a lot of these professionals that we interview, and what I found, and I don't know if you have too, is oftentimes these high level guys. Let's say you know I was talking about the leg system earlier, and and a lot of these people that I've had on that are leg specialists or something like that, um, how they they contradict each other oftentimes, you know, and their own personal opinions of like what's best and things like that. And so you realize, you know, going back to the white belt days or whatever, you're always looking for, you know, what works, what works, what works, what's the best way and that kind of thing. And then you realize every way is the best way. And I'm realizing, <laughs> you know, as I talk to these guys, way. yeah, it's just like, 
there's no wrong almost answer in a lot of this stuff because you know uh closed guard's not good in the gi, gi. closed guard works in the gi reverse telehiva does not work in the gi you know or no gi um uh, it does work in no gi you know someone else says you know or delahiva or whatever it may be um so that for me that was like a one of those eye-opening moments too where i'm like oh wow you know i, I gotta think for myself and you know jujitsu is so personal you know in the expression of it you know it, it may change from one week to another but what's best is you know perhaps it's for that particular you know moment in your jujitsu journey absolutely what guest has influenced you the most after talking to them that has like really shifted your mindset of a certain aspect of your journey? Oh man. Uh, I think, uh, both, uh, Carl Provec has been huge. He was, he's always been like a huge influence on me all, all throughout. Uh, and Mike Gemaria, I think lately when we were discussing things too on, on the episode, they've been, they've been uh huge just cause they're just so wise. And in terms of, uh, uh, having a long-term sort of jujitsu journey, you know, and I'm no spring chicken. So I mean, master's five, you know, my goal right now is just to like, like you said, you know, I, I, I hoped or I hope to be doing this till, you know, like, like the old man, like Helio, you know, till to close to the last days, you know, or something like that. Um, so for me, you know, those guys have really spoken to me in terms of, uh, longevity and, um, training smart and that kind of, uh, thing for long, longevity so effectively uh those guys i'm sure there's other guys too i mean there are there i get something from everyone that i speak to honestly you know that that's just personal gold um how about yourself travis yeah i've had, i've had a couple of guests that have like influenced me quite a bit on how i how i view what what i think is right you know early on we had rory dion and john and i yeah. were big into uh, well. you have That's to right. test for your belt you have to take because yeah. we're so influenced by roy dean right yeah. and we talked about i talked about it on your show when yeah. the first time yeah and you know i was like everyone has to test you have to test for your yeah. belt and i didn't realize how like a of a contentious uh topic that is within the jujitsu community right because i was that that's how we did it that's yeah and everyone that i followed at the time that's how they did it right it was you you test for your belts like it's a knowledge check is it is that what it was, Travis? Because I remember when I talked to you and John. John, by the way, people of on my show that are listening, was Travis's former co-host of his podcast, his FYI. Um, but I remember uh John or yourself asking me, you know, uh, what was your test like? And the trippiest yeah. thing for me, the wildest thing for me, it was that there was this expectation already yeah. in in place that they test, you know. So I, I'm so curious, like, did you guys think like everyone tests or you know, and I understand now you know, with the, given the context. Yeah. Um, I don't think that we, I don't think we knew that it thought that everyone tested. Mm. I definitely thought it was more prominent than it was. Mm. You know what I mean? Like to come to find out a majority of people don't test. Uh, it's it, it, the testing is actually a minority in, in the jujitsu community. Totally. Yeah. And, uh, that was a shocker. Yeah. I remember like, how was your test? You're like, Oh, I didn't. I was like, how did you get your blue belt? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was what so do you mean? Like, I was like, wow. Yeah. I found it so interesting that the question, you know what I mean? And almost in the expectation of the answer. I mean, for me, I was like, I was kind of taken aback, but, but it was just so neat to see that expectation, you know, they're already in place. Yeah. And it goes, it goes back to like your point you made earlier, like every, the, everyone is like their own ideas of what jujitsu is and how they're supposed to do it and how it's supposed to happen. Cause there's no governing body yeah. of 
jujitsu, right? The IBJJF is kind of right, but that's like a more of a rule set for competition. Yeah, and but it's like it's it's funny to hear how everyone kind of like you mentioned contradicts everything. And so I think we're you and I or any podcaster that isn't a high level black belt. Uh, I think a beautiful part is like we our views are always challenged. Like we're not we're not ingrained in anything because we have so many contrasting opinions against our own. It's like really makes us think about like, well, am I right in this situation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like where 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 does where do I fall on this like line? between a and b you know what i mean like yeah totally and is there even a line uh between a and b (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is so everything we do is so subjective um and i mentioned this before too Mm -hmm. and it's like not every black belt is a black belt right like i I, and this is not saying every black belt could probably still kick my butt you know what i mean but there's there are levels to everything we do just like not every blue belt is the same not every purple belt not every white belt is the same right um so to really focus on anyone else in your journey besides yourself kind of does you a disservice because everyone mm-hmm. is so different. Right. Like we have we have like a general idea of like yeah this person's a blue belt because yeah. they can perform at this level. They've been doing jujitsu this long, right? But there's no real set in stone. This is what makes a blue belt. And I think back to the testing part. I think that's kind of like why we were so attracted to testing because it 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 put a uh, quantitative uh, aspect to or qualitative aspect to jujitsu for us. Like this is a blue belt; they can do this. So it gave kind of like John and I something to strive for uh, because we're like, hey, so if we can do these, that means we will be a blue belt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, so sure. maybe that's why we were also like so enticed by. Uh, testing for belts because it, it it put a value to our knowledge and it gave us something to kind of like okay so if, if we can hit these wikis <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be getting our we'll be getting our next belt you know what i mean yeah and i can totally respect that i can respect yeah anyone that does it their way yeah, yeah. It's, but it's, now it's, i'm like good. i don't ever want to test for a belt again it was terrible it was not you fun know, i thought of you the other day because the other day uh, depending on when you guys are listening to this which i'm sure is in the future so it'd be several days ago uh i got my second stripe right for my purple belt and uh out of nowhere my my academy the my instructor he makes all of us pair up against each other and do a match in front of all of our peers you know no, thank for a, you. a little five minute but it turned out to be a three minute thing and i think everyone was really confused and shocked like what's going on so it was like a mini test kind of Thing oh. or an overview kind of thing and i'm like oh my god what's happening <laughs> you know but it's funny because we did it it was fun and um yeah and i thought about you guys because i was like whoa this so so it brought up the whole conversation within my head again of like and i went back and started researching what other guests had had mentioned about it because i'm so interesting interested after talking to you both about just the whole concept of that uh not only jujitsu testing but just old um uh, oh, forgive me um ideologies of of how jujitsu should be instructed how academies should run etc you know what i mean yeah do you do you when you like research a guest do you do you ever try to ask questions that will not cause controversy but are kind of like hot topics to to what's like going on within the community right now or or like once again kind of like those like uh 
contentious ideas of like whether it's belt testing white belts heel hooking or working on legs and stuff like that do you ever uh not necessarily like clickbait it but you know you're definitely like this would be a great piece of content for me to repurpose yeah i i don't yeah i, I oftentimes i actually sort of warn the guests ahead of time saying hey i might play devil's advocate sometimes uh, which i rarely do throughout the show um and i learned this from uh from speaking to uh, Henry Akins once, and I felt that I had asked something that I don't think it got him upset, but I, I think definitely triggered a point. I, I can't remember what it was, something maybe about the cross-collar choke or something like that. That uh, uh, No, it was a move that that isn't a, yeah, cross-collar choke, actually. That's not a high percentage finish in statistically in white belt competition. And the bow and arrow choke is far and away the highest one. You know, and uh, I think maybe rear naked choke or something like that, but it's uh, maybe an arm bar. But uh, cross collar choke was way, 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 way low, you know. And it's not to say that it's not effective, it's just that it's not, you know, uh, it's, it's just not done at white belt. It's not a, a common finish. And, um, and it really got him sort of, you know, talk, uh, energized about this particular topic to, to discuss this. And it was, uh, in retrospect, really valuable, you know, to, I think, to, to think about it. Because you, you can look at all the various perspectives. And he informed, you know, taught me that, you know, and for me to think further, that perhaps isn't, this move isn't taught in depth a whole lot, or we don't spend a whole lot of time on it. And people just aren't going for it a lot in competition for whatever reasons. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think uh, that brings up a lot. And yeah, sometimes it, now I do think about that. Sometimes it's like, what can, you know, what potentially can I push back on to get some interesting discussion? How do you navigate if you are having a guest that isn't, because I'm sure you've had it too, that isn't being very cooperative mm. in mm -hmm. answering questions? Like they, they'll answer short or mm. too long, or yeah. you're like, that's not even what I asked, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah, that's a that's a tough one. That's when you get your shorter episodes in terms of my editing. Um, but that's where the power of the questions that we have or the particular topics that we can bring up uh, come uh, are, are such an important tool in our in our tool belts as podcast hosts and uh, to put to extract. As you said, you know, if if you're not going to get a whole lot of value out of them, you know, you try to get those little nuggets that you can. Um, because it's not going to be an hour's worth of great clips or something like that. You know, this is going to be like maybe 15 minutes of good clips that you're going to pull out, really extract the gold for the, for the listener. Um, but yeah, you, um, you know, you do try to touch, I mean, that's where you're touching on the obvious stuff. You know, what, where's the strong points of this individual? You know, what, what have they done lately? What are their future plans? You know, what, what's exciting them? Uh, what are their, you know, future things that are going to excite them? That's that's when you try to get that kind of thing because they're going to share some stuff, you know, that they can. But sometimes some people are just so nervous too that they just like they like you said they give you the monosyllabic answers. Yeah, so yeah, there's that. Uh, how how soon do you feel like a guest really kind of finds their groove and like relaxes during an mm. interview, especially if they're someone that doesn't have a whole lot of experience being on podcasts? Yeah. Um, yeah, that depends. I, I definitely, I feel like five minutes in for me, usually we're in a pretty good groove. And, um, 
Yeah, it's going. And, and oftentimes, as you mentioned before, it's a lot of the pre-discussion that we have that oftentimes isn't on camera that, that gets them sort of, you know, relaxed. And once yeah. I let them know, Hey, you know, my goal is to make you look as, as good as possible, you know, because you've been so generous with your free time, you know, to, to speak with me. And, uh, per, I hope you've seen some prior episodes because you'll see that I'm not, you know, there's no gotchas here, nothing like yeah. that. Um, so, so it's getting them really comfortable. And then, as you mentioned before, the, doing the research, you know, pulling out those, those special things, uh, those Nardwar moments, if you will, you know, where they're like, oh, they, they're like, oh, okay, cool. You know, we're cool with each other now. And, oh, wow, you've really gone above and beyond or, or something like that, you know. And then, uh, yeah, that's when I think things start to click. Yeah, I would hate to have like a, a Bill Burr moment where my guest just stares at me and he's like, you're an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bill Burr's notorious for that. If you guys don't listen to Bill Burr's interviews, when he's on other people's podcasts, he's known for making people just feel extremely awkward because they'll yeah. just ask so crazy, mundane questions where he's like, what is this for? Like, why yeah. am I even here? And that's like something I, I get really nervous about is one, one question I ask in pre-show before I ever press record is, uh, and I got this from Tim Ferriss, was what do you need from this interview in order to provide you the most value? Right. Mm -hmm. So I ask them that beforehand. That way I ensure I know what topics they do want to cover, whether mm -hmm. it's a, a coaching right. program, a book that's coming up, uh, their online academy. I always make sure I ask that. That way I know that they want to talk about this and I know for sure that they'll have an answer and go on to where I can branch out from yeah. that, that, uh, that question. You know what I mean? Is that <laughs> yeah. something you do too? Like what does your pre-show look like to before? Yeah, I think it's it's a lot of things I touched on before um, in terms of like, uh, you know, look, my goal, you know, stating the goal, you know, my goal is to make you look good. That, that's really important. Uh, I'm going to push back on on some things and it's not a disrespect, you know, it's it's for the, you know, the value of the listener, that kind of thing, um, being respectful of their time um, and letting them know whether, you know, what kind of show it is, whether you edit or you don't. Um, and that, you know, giving them, Allowing them obviously to share their socials and whatever the, if they're selling anything, perhaps you know their wares because they're spending their their time with you for free, that type of thing. You know, it's funny because one time I was talking to Chris Howder, and uh, he he's just a legend in jujitsu, and he has this thing called Combat Base, which is his personal, I think, online instructional uh, type of thing. And he didn't talk about it for the longest time in the thing. And I'm like, you know, hey, hey, Chris, we need to talk about. It. You know, I spoke with his wife, who's a really lovely woman. And she's, you know, she's, she's like, he tends to not push the the thing. And can you help him? Yeah. You know, or if he doesn't, you know, so I would occasionally, you know, I'm at the, Hey, combat base, combat base, you know, let's, <laughs> let's talk about it. So yeah, just doing them right. You know? Yeah. I know that's a, uh, that's something like, I'm so grateful. Like we mentioned earlier that these people want to spend time, whether it's an hour, hour and a half and just, you know, yeah. talk shop, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a it's it's an incredible thing that I don't know I feel like a lot of people don't realize you know it's like they don't owe owe me an interview a little small town dude that <laughs> podcasting in his master bedroom you know? right. uh, yeah <laughs> so it but no it's it, it's definitely cool um how do you how do you deal with getting ghosted or uh rejected mm. for an interview I'm cool with it. I respect that, you know, not ghosting, but <laughs> definitely, uh, re I, I prefer the quick rejection. Like, Hey, would you like to be No, you know, no, whatever the particular reason is cool. I I'm totally cool with that. And then I can just move on. 
I, I would rather not get, yeah, it sounds great. And then you just don't hear from the person for a long time. Then you have to do the follow-up and the follow-up and the follow-up. And you're like, huh, you know, and I can't take it personally because I understand they have a million things in their life going on. I'm sure like we all do. Um, but it's hard not to sometimes a little bit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I just kind of push through. I move on. You know what I mean? There's, I, there's a lot of interesting people in the world to, to talk to and a lot of hidden gems out there. It's, it's hard to find them sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like, I have, I've never been rejected to, for someone to come on the show. Mm. Um, and that's mainly because I don't ask a lot of big names to come on the show. Mm. People that are, you know, gigantic. Yeah. Uh, and I, it's not because I don't want to interview them, but like you mentioned, I, I really, you have such an eclectic group of guests. Mm -hmm. That's once again, inspired me to be like, okay, I don't need to get the same exact people. Everyone else is interviewing. Like yeah. who are these, uh, Jordan Robbie, right? He, he was yeah. got third place, uh, lives down in California. If you guys haven't listed his interview, you know, he's just, he's same age as me and he competed at master's world and he was just a good conversation. You know, yeah. no one, once again, Ben Brandon. Not not anyone, you know, like yeah. uh not saying that they're that, that sounds kind of mean. But I mean like in the jujitsu space, they're not yeah. like selling instructionals or anything like that. They're just an average person that does jujitsu and it has accomplished something that it, you know, a lot of us will never do again or will yeah. never achieve. And so I'm like, I gotta talk to these guys. How do they do it? You know what I mean? Right. And so a lot of times people are grateful that I've asked. They're like, Oh my God, dude, yeah, I would love to come. I've never done a podcast before. I would love yeah. to do a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's always <laughs> wild when you when you talk to like that. Uh, that black belt, that new academy owner or something like that. And he's like, I've never done a podcast before. And you're like, oh, cool. Let's see how it goes. You know, it's great. Versus, and you know what else is funny too is when you get these sort of semi-big names or what we would think are semi-big names within a, the jujitsu zeitgeist that, uh, and then you talk to other normal people, jujitsu practitioners, like, I have no idea who that person is. You know, yeah. there's a lot of that, you know, too, which I, is cool. You know, I, I'm like, okay, great. You know? I think that's me with almost every interview you do. I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea who this person is, but yeah. I'm going to listen. Yeah. That's like, right. I and love then you're that. like sitting yeah. there talking to these people and you're talking about like who they are in the industry, their accolades. And I'm like, no idea this <laughs> yeah, person whatsoever. ever even yeah. freaking existed. Yeah, man. And then, and there's other people that like are, you know, unknowns who you just like you, like we mentioned before that you're just like, Oh my God, so much value, so much great stuff. You know? Um, yeah. A lot of these globe trotters, Charles Harriet, you know, who is a fantastic discussion. He has a physics teacher, an amazing jujitsu wow. game, former break dancer guy. Just he loves to talk about jujitsu. This other guy, Josh Janis, he's a he's a black belt out of Michigan, I believe, or something. Yeah. And uh just has this really unique perspective on jujitsu and like a, this whole that you know, truly the gentle art sort of is his thing, like trying to do no pain jujitsu kind of stuff. And uh I, I don't know, just the other perspectives are just so cool and and talking to these people and if you can get like you know, as we have some decent amount of listeners out there uh, and they get this value, get to learn some, get in another perspective and, and question their own jujitsu. And that's always good in my, in my opinion. So what have you been thinking lately about jujitsu? I'm, I'm curious, you know, like uh, what kind of techniques or, you know, what, what have you been playing? What's been, I guess, top of mind for you lately? Recently, it's been more of coaching. I got, I recently oh. got uh, the chance to start coaching at my academy. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And so that's why I was t bringing on like Kabir Bath to talk about the ecological approach to jujitsu because, Interesting. Um, as a coach coming from the fitness industry uh, before, right. right? I was that's a CrossFit right. coach and everything CrossFit. like that. Mm -hmm. And it just, I've always loved coaching. Yeah. It's probably one of my favorite things I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Um, 
And so when I had the opportunity to start coaching jujitsu, I was like, I can't, I can't mess this up. I have to, um, I have to do my research because I don't have the knowledge of a black belt or someone that's been doing jujitsu for 10, 15 years. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't have the technical ability of these people and I coach the fundamentals. So I'm like, how can I provide value to someone that's coming to fundamentals that a blue belt is teaching and they can walk away feeling like, okay, that was a great class. So really it's been teaching and coaching has been like my big, my big, uh, drive recently. And uh, you know what the the saying I, I listened to or I talked to Blake from Blake up today on Instagram. He does like this week in fatherhood, um, and he's a jujitsu brown belt. And one thing that he said during his interview before I even started coaching that really stuck with me was he who teaches learns twice. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, that's great. And so now when I look at a jujitsu technique or something to do with jujitsu, I'm kind of like, how would I teach that? Wow. What you know what I mean? Like now yeah. I'm like, how how can I with my limited abilities show a day one white belt or fresh off, fresh on the mat white mm-hmm. belt uh, or even an experienced practitioner because we have experienced practitioners we have blues purples browns come to our fundamentals class like how can i teach this to someone that's been doing jujitsu much longer than me mm-hmm. and still have them gain something from it right? right because anyone if you anyone that coaches knows that sometimes uh when you have like a higher level athlete, uh, whether it's uh, in fitness or whether it's jujitsu, Krav Maga, Taekwondo or whatever, someone that has been doing it much longer than you and you kind of look up to them, mm-hmm. it's very intimidating having them under you. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine so. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. like, dude, this blue belt is way better than me. This purple belt's way better than me. <laughs> right. Like, how am I going to provide value to this person? That's really right. what like drives me a lot right now. So what have you been doing? And then have you said, you know, for this whatever arm bar or whatever uh hey you advanced guys you can you know do this and that and that do you do like caveats like that or yeah so um that's that's what i'll uh most of the time i'll do is when i do have like the higher belts well yes and no so the the way i coach right now is through task-based games and so i'll have uh- uh, I'll have a game that uh, has an objective mm-hmm. with constraints in it, right? I'm sure you've heard about all of this mm-hmm. recently. And so I'll have constraints based on the game. And then if there's uh, like a upper belt that's training, I'll kind of give them maybe a different constraint or mm-hmm. something that's a little bit more challenging because mm-hmm. if it's a fundamentals class, they don't need, beginning practitioners don't need crazy constraints or mm-hmm. they don't, they're, they're already going to have a hard time with a lot of things. So I don't, I try not to make the constraints on them too crazy. It's more along the lines like, Hey, say, uh, we're, we're playing in side control and I want you to keep the shoulders pinned to the mat while controlling the hips go. Mm. Right. Mm. And then, so I'll, I'll do that for like a brand new, uh, practitioner. But if it's a higher belt, I'm be like, Hey, so I want you to keep the shoulders pinned to the mat, but I want you to use wedges instead of hip control. And then they'll they'll start thinking about it that way. Mm. Uh, if someone at home that's listening to this, they're probably like, that doesn't sound like very good. But whatever, come to my right. class, try it out. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's that's how I, I kind of look at it in a different aspect of um, constraints. A constraint-led approach isn't a generalization. It's based on individuals. So if the individual has a higher skill base, the constraints need to be based around their skill base. Mm. If a person has less skills, then you need to have the constraints less skilled. 
uh, or based on their skill level also. So that's kind of like how I approach coaching now. Wow. So you're a ju- it's like a sliding scale, it sounds like, for per individual. Yeah, wow. and it's as, as a new coach using this method, it is the hardest part of individualizing each training aspect to um, the different skills. Most of the people in the fun, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky, most of the kids or kids, most of the people in the fundamentals are new practitioners. Mm-hmm. So my, the constraints are typically the same for everyone. But if I do have a, a blue purple belt or whatever come in, and I'm mm. like, hey, so this might be a little too easy for you. Let's mm. your constraint or your what I want you to do is this or don't let your opponent do this. Mm. And it kind of shifts their attention a little bit from what everyone else is doing. They're still getting the same idea, but it's just in a different way. So are you all in ecological? Or are you still te- are you guys doing technique or uh, so I'm, I'm not I'm not full 100 percent into ecological because my lack of knowledge in application is hard mm. to be a hundred percent in it. I still need to do more research, listen to more people, talk to more people mm. and figure, figure out, uh, because as for me, as, as once again, as someone that doesn't have all the knowledge in the world, coaching that way is very hard because I don't understand a lot of times what this, why we do certain things in jujitsu. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, like, yeah, we do this, but why do we do it? How can I get someone to understand that's why we do it if I don't fully understand? So I need to build my base of knowledge of jujitsu in order to fully commit to something because as a junior coach, I'm I'm still learning as it is, right? right. And so uh, like Greg Souders talks about, you know, he's full, obviously full ecological, uh, individual based, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, he's been doing it for eight years. So I can't, and he, he started doing it as, I believe he started doing it when he was a black belt. So his level, his base level of knowledge to help his practitioners was already leagues above mine. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm sure once I start feeling more comfortable in my own jujitsu coaching skin, then I'll be able to dedicate more of it to that. Because I still fall back on like, hey, this is how we do an arm bar. But, right, you know, sure. in 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 that whole ecological dynamics, we you know, you... You don't necessarily, you do teach, but you don't, it's not step-by-step. And I still find myself when I'm uncomfortable with the situation, I still go back to that step-by-step in order to make sure that there's value to those students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, man. So, yeah, I mean, teaching, I mean, you learn so much from it, you know, and it's such a natural inclination. Even the joke is, you know, the, the one-stripe white belt. I love, you know, that I love these jokes, right? That they want to teach the white belt, you know, because everyone, you know, I think a lot of people find value in that and they feel, they feel a value, you know, when they can do that kind of thing. It it seems to just give a lot to yourself, you know? Yeah. I think, I think, you know, the whole saying of you can learn something from everyone is true in a sense. Um, uh, But I, unless the day one white belt has some sort of grappling experience, Mm. uh, the chances of learning something from that person is probably relatively low <laughs> because they don't have a a grasp uh they don't have a base understanding of what we're even doing anyways uh not saying that they can't like look at something in a different aspect and then bring that up like oh well why do we do that and then you know it gets your brain thinking so you're learning from that person like why why do we do it that way right but i don't think they're going to step up in front of the class and be like hey so let's do this technique <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm curious because uh, before we were talking, I remember you had a, another owner at your academy, and that person I believe left, and then the academy sort of changed. Uh, and and I don't know if there were other steps in between. <coughs> excuse me, to where you are now. Um. So and and then the, even the introduction of this ecological ap- approach. Can you talk about to me? And I'm just so curious. From when I believe it's Cody, right? Who was the original yeah. guy when he left? And... No, no, Cody's Cody's always been the gym owner. Okay, forgive me then. And uh, how how the culture has changed to where you guys are now, and even incorporating this this new sort of paradigm in terms of ecological uh, into the into the academy. Can, can you talk about that whole that progression for for the listeners and viewers? Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> Al was our original black belt that we're uh, well he was the second black belt we were under during uh covid he ended up leaving the gym and our new black belt who sean gaspire who's a former like collegiate wrestler coaches wrestling in high school high level black belt under uh he's a carlson gracie black belt whatever (laughs) he's a carlson gracie black belt um you know and so since he's very much when he took over it was very much you know we're kind of like what you, you know, you call like the surfer laid back jujitsu academy. No one really rolled super hard. It was competitive, but it wasn't like uh, smashing people. And then when Sean came, he just pretty much mopped the floor with the gym and was like, what are you guys even doing? <laughs> right. You know, and so uh, there was like, uh, not, not in a bad way, but he mm-hmm. definitely exposed that we all could have been learning something differently or our gotcha. our mindset during roles was completely different so this and is black belt number three yeah black belt number okay. three and he's still there now it's wrestling okay. he has he leaves during wrestling season so cody takes back over cody's now a four stripe brown belt so he's real close to getting his black belt. right so effectively um, black belt okay and so cody was the one that kind of introduced me to the ecological approach mm. because he was hearing greg souders all over the place he's like hey you have a podcast interview greg you have a podcast interview, Greg. And I never did. I've never have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Cody actually talked to him and he's like, he's like, man, that stuff is great. You should look into it. And so I started, I didn't look into it until I started coaching or until mm-hmm. he asked me to start coaching. And then I really like started diving into it more. And I was like, man, this stuff is great. You know, mm-hmm. there's a uh, Rob Gray. He's a PhD down at ASU. He's, a, you know, like one of the leading scientists on the whole part of it. And so I listened to his podcast, uh, and then I listen to people like Greg Souders, Kabir Bath. Uh, there's a whole bunch. Kit Dale, you know, is yeah. a lot of the task-based gaming or gaming, task-based games for jujitsu. Right. And so I kind of just like slowly started implementing it more into like how I looked at jujitsu. There's a there's an ecological dynamics for BJJ Discord channel where there's like almost a thousand members now that I go in there, ask questions, a bunch of people that are, crazy like scientists within the community wow, uh, that are also so do jujitsu that have studied ecological for a long time they're in wow. it and stuff like that and so i just kind of like through cody's own uh curiosity about it and then it kind of like rubbed off on me and then now i'm very curious about it too but like i mentioned earlier i'm not 100 on it yet because i just don't have a firm understanding of it and so i feel like i'd be doing a disservice to a lot of people mm. that i coach that uh if i don't fully understand it hmm. how have you been feeling as of late in terms of like wh- what's your conditioning looking like and your recovery and stuff S- stress with uh with added you know 
not eating as well as I should with mm. with the added uh not making it to the gym as much as I should. I've had a lot of like personal life stress lately and uh so I'm actually no longer going to be training in the evenings. Now I have to work in the evenings and I got I'm going to have during the day off so we're starting like a 10:30 a.m. class. Thank oh, God. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so which is going to be great. Awesome. But I have been going to the gym recently the last couple of weeks. I have been going to the gym more recently. Uh, I've been tracking my food, trying to, you know, hit my macronutrients for the day because it's all very familiar to me. Mm. Uh, but like, yeah, man, it's it's hard. Like we mentioned before we press record the first time, uh, it's hard to fit jujitsu in with such like heavily weighted personal life stuff too. Like yeah. my kids, my mm-hmm. job, uh, my wife, you know. So I often talk about on my show, the 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 hats that i wear in life and how depending on the situation the hats change order yeah, right like for sure. uh, almost always husband husband father is going to be number one hat that mm-hmm. i put on during the day and then when the kids go down now i can take the father one off uh and put it you know two or three and then the podcaster or the practitioner or the content creator hat can come on and i can i can work under that umbrella for a little bit and then uh it's like, okay, well, now I need to put my husband hat on because I need to go fill my wife's cup. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And sometimes that jujitsu hat doesn't come on for a couple of days or a week. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the jujitsu practitioner hat doesn't come on because I just, I can't, I have to be realistic with my time. And uh, what value does going to jujitsu for two hours give to my family right now? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they don't. It's a, it, I hate to say, it, but it's a very selfish reason. But we all need that selfish time, you know, yeah, jujitsu. Of course. But it yeah. also helps with my mental health too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. How do you was... navigate all that? Because I know you have wife, kids, and all that stuff. <laughs> day job. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit later stage in life than than you. So I mean, um, you know, I burned the candle at both ends much harder when I was a younger man, you know, as and went through a lot of the things that that you were probably some similar that you're going through at this moment. And I think the majority of people and practitioners that in our particular demographic go through, you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's a challenge for sure. Like you said, you know, I've, I'm pretty particular about my, uh, my to-do list and my methodology for doing all that type of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of the GTD stuff, the getting things done type of, you know, things. And I'm using to do is as my digital tool to, Oh. Sort of to create like different sort of a, uh, you know, Kanban boards and things like that too. Um, I'm kind of a nerd in that respect, and that doesn't mean I get stuff done. Sometimes I spend too much time even playing with that kind of stuff of organizing your life rather than getting stuff done. But but when it is working, it's working. It works, you know, because I'm very forgetful of a lot of uh, small details and things like that. Um, so yeah, it's a it's definitely a dance, as you mentioned, to to keep the priority the priorities, uh, a priority, right? Right. And the right ones, you know, that to make sure you're working on the right thing at the right time, I think is, is huge. Yeah. And that's not to say that I, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not always a hundred percent correct with the hat that I'm wearing at the time. Uh, sometimes it needs to be the incorrect hat in order to get mm-hmm. something done so I can put the correct hat back on. Right. Like I mentioned beforehand, like sometimes I stay up until 11 o'clock midnight uh editing you know yeah. what i mean because i had an interview uh earlier in the day and then i had to take the podcaster content creator hat off and i had to go put the other hats on 
And then I have to put the, I'm like, well, this has, I have a deadline for this too. So I have to put the other one back on and it's not the right time for it, but I need to get this stuff done also because mm-hmm. of commitments as well. So uh, it's such a dance that we do. And I, <laughs> yeah. I applaud young practitioners that don't have those responsibilities yet that are taking full event, like burning the candle at both ends and yeah. getting after it. Because uh, I mentioned this also in a recent episode, it's like a lot of the times we don't realize when we are doing so much in our lives um, when we're younger or when we don't have certain responsibilities, sometimes you can uh, build like a negative mindset for future your future self because you look back at like, oh man, I used to be able to train so much. I used to be able to do this and now I can't. And you know, you can have like a, a real glass half empty mindset because if you look at you know, these unrealistic expectations that you used to have because of your former life. And then you go into training now and you're like, dude, I could, I could be here for an hour and a half. That's Mm -hmm. it. Like there's no hanging out afterwards. Mm -hmm. I need to make the best time possible of the hour and a half. And having that and me personally, having that mind shift from, uh, training as much as possible, being at the gym as much as possible, even being married with kids, uh, to now it's like, I can't do that. Like, my, there's so much more I have to get done at home and like be a dad that uh, it took a little bit to get used to. Honestly, I know it I was, was going to ask you if are you okay with that? Are you okay? Mm, yeah. I don't think I, I'm. Yeah, obviously, like I, I made the choice to have the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but it's it more along the lines of I don't I not being okay with it doesn't change anything because mm, I have to point. do it. Yeah, you know what point. I mean? Like yeah. Um, would I like life a little differently? Yeah. I mean, I have young ones right now. I have a three-year-old and a 20-month-old, right? So, and a 15-year-old. Uh, the 15-year-old's very- Would you like your cake and eat it too, Travis? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the 15-year-old's pretty self-sufficient. I'm pretty sure yeah. he's sleeping still right now. It's 1130 <laughs> in, the, in the morning. Uh, but the two young ones, you know, it's, it's, it's like I always tell everyone, everything's temporary. It's all a season. This season right now is because I have, my kids are so, I have two- such small ones, they take up more time. There's going to be a point, you know, within the next couple of years of when they're going to be much, much more self-efficient and I'm going to be able to take them places like jujitsu and, uh, and they're going to be able to, I'm going to be able to do more things if I want to do again. But as of the season right now, you know, it is what it is. I, I, it's, I'm grateful for the life I have. And if I were to say it any other way, I think it'd be very, disingenuous and it would be an oh woe is me moment like oh you no you you know so that that's yeah. kind of like where i'm at with it now you know it, it seems to go back to a lot you know i think one of the questions that you guys would ask i think at the end of your podcast a lot was something about um advice you'd give to a white belt and uh, things that we've talked about earlier too is uh not comparing yourself to others and it's so easy to say you know what i mean and in retrospect now <laughs> It's you realize how important that that sort of idea is or to practice that or, you know, even though there's always going to it's going to slip in those moments going, damn, I wish I had more time like this, like this kid or, you know, I wish I could do more like this, this particular person or or I wish I was there. I wish I was at this belt. I, you know, whatever it may be. I wish I could sub these people or whatever. Uh, but yeah, when when you realize that is, you know, I go back to that, I'm realizing more and more that this is such a personal journey and you know it's such a an individualized journey and there's all these uh these things that come into play whether it's you know your finances your time your age your weight your strength your you know all those things sort of factor in together um 
that it's 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 going to be just different for everyone. So yeah, trying not to compare yourself and just sort of be present in your in your own path is is sort of the way to go. I remember uh, I was just talking to Junior Casio, and he was saying one of these. He was talking about effort, effort on the mat. You know, when they're there, he's big into this effort thing. You know, all the time, and I, I, I agree with some of it, quite a bit of it, but it, a lot of it came down to being present. You know, just just to be present and um, realizing more and more the importance of that. Yeah, I I agree. It's um, it's something that quick point, focusing on your own journey. This was the, for the first time in my journey, uh, I've really had to like hone that in. You know, we had belt promotions last week and I didn't get a stripe and I did get my purple belt and three other blue belts that have been doing jujitsu in less time than me got their purple belts. Right. And it, they 100%, they deserve it. I don't, I don't want to make it sound like they don't. These guys absolutely crush it. They spend a lot of time training. They compete younger than me. Well, one guy's the same age as me, but his kid is, you know, the same. He only has one kid that's the same age as mine, uh, my oldest. And so he gets more time to train. Uh, and I'm not saying that at all, but it was the first time where I was like, Oh shit. Like, yeah, dude, like this is real. Like I, I'm not going to get promoted every time that I think, you know, I'm probably ready for it Hmm. because I can't, I just can't dedicate it to it, you know? Right. And, uh, that was the first time where I was like, wow, like this is, I've never had to really focus on it before because I was always get, getting a stripe. You know, I was very consistent in training. But these last couple of months, like like I mentioned, it's just been hectic in my personal life. And I was like, you know, there was that moment. I was like, well, what if, you know, like what if I made it to training every night? When when was there a moment so that I could have went to class and I didn't? You know, and I started like replaying all these moments in my head, to be honest. And I was like, man, I, I messed up. But I didn't. Life happens. You know, there's... um like you mentioned, like John, you know, he was injured. He had like double shoulder surgery yeah. and he kept getting injured during class. And finally he's like, I just can't do this anymore. You yeah. know, he's in his mid forties, you know, his kids are doing stuff. Um, and so he's, he had to quit. Jiu-jitsu just wasn't in his life journey anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he doesn't regret it. But he's thought he's thought about coming back every once in a while, but I think mm-hmm. he's at the point now where it's he's like it's just not in the cards for me. It's yeah, just sure. not something that I I I strive to to think about doing, and that's something too that I have a hard time with too. Is you know I'm 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 thinking like well what's why do I keep going to jujitsu? And I'm like well because I love it. It's a good release for me. It's a good being around like minded people that want to do hard things is a fantastic experience. Mm-hmm. You know. And so that's, that's what motivates me to keep training. And, and also I can't do the podcast if I don't do jujitsu because it's a jujitsu podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, but Hey, Adolfo, we've been going for quite a while, man. I want to be respectful of your time as well. If you can give one tip to a brand new white belt, what would it be? (laughs) Uh, Try not to compare yourself to others. (laughs) Yeah. Going back on that. If you can try, 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 try to just really focus on your, your your own journey you know it's it's super easy to say that it's super super hard to do oh, it's uh it's such a mental thing that's like you know it's not a physical technique or anything like that uh jujitsu thing it's and i think it'll help you in life overall um it's something i learned very very late in life i'm still practicing i think we all are we struggle we vacillate in and out of this um this habit of comparing ourselves to others when 
really it's just, you know, putting one foot in front of the other and uh, taking ownership really of, uh, of our practice. And if you can do that, I think it's, it's a good first step. And I, I think it'll serve you throughout your, uh, your jujitsu journey. Yeah, absolutely. And like you, I mentioned, I'm, I'm having a hard time doing it right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Hey, if people want to follow you and check you out, where, where can they, where can they find you? Yeah. Check me out on, uh, Instagram forever white belt show. Uh, everything's there. We got a link tree. You can go to the link in bio there. You know, we're on all the, all the platforms, listen, watch, and, uh, really appreciate it so much. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Travis. And hey, what no, about you, Travis? Where can we get more information about you and everything yeah, you're up to? Elbows tight everywhere. If you do elbows tight, uh, I, I'm pretty sure after, if you guys listen to my show, you're going to be in class. Someone's going to say, keep your elbows tight. And yes. someone that, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, wait, Travis's podcast. The best name, the best name ever. It always comes up. Yeah. <laughs> so it happens in our class. Like people are like, uh, yeah, so, you know, in this position, keep your elbows tight. And everyone like looks at me and I'm like, yeah, that's right, yeah. baby. Yeah. <laughs> so perfect so yeah elbows tight elbows tight.com if you want some sweet swag like the shirt i'm wearing i'd rather be rolling i love your swag i love the new designs that's so cool yeah so i i made this myself came up with the idea myself and everything like that so if you guys want to check out that support me that way uh yeah elbows tight everywhere go follow me on instagram and youtube and stuff like that so but uh thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home if if you're listening to Adolfo, if you're listening to mine uh thank you guys i greatly appreciate it and uh remember no oil checks here right on right on peace see you guys thank you (laughs) 